Hey, good morning, everybody. It's wonderful to have you all here um, with us this morning. Look, um, we are going to continue this morning and uh, on the theme of remembering, uh, sorry, the goodness of God. Um, but as you can see up there, we're going to tag it with remembering the goodness of God uh, this morning. As an intro to today, I, I found this um, clip by the Bible Project. I don't think it's any secret that you know. I've used them a few times that I think they're really, really wonderful short teachings that these guys do to help us understand um, context and help us understand um, the way things are written or why they're written or things in the background, but also to bring to light what it means for us today. And so I, I found this and I thought it would be really good if we had a look at the Psalms, the book of the Psalms, because I don't know about you, but I've often treated some of the Psalms like they're an individual piece because they were. They were written by um, people in, in a circumstance and a moment that they were going through in life. But the book itself is actually very, very purposeful in the way it's structured, in the way it's pulled together. It's not just a slap-together compilation of let's just bring all of King David's wonderful um, worship songs and, and things um, and cries to God together or, or those of Moses or Solomon or Asaph and I can't remember all the other guys, but there's, there's lots of them. Uh, let's just slap it all together. It's actually really purposeful. So if you would indulge me just for a few minutes, let's have a look. I hope this is very helpful for you in understanding how the Psalms are structured and why they're structured in the way they are. We've been talking about poetry in the Bible, how biblical poets love design and masterfully use metaphor and symbolism. These poems invite us into an experience, to ponder ideas slowly and from many angles. And the largest collection of poetry in the Bible is the book of Psalms. So that's what we're going to look at here. Now, the Israelites composed lots of poetry throughout their history. Yeah, poems were written by Israelites, sages, kings, and prophets. Some poems were sung by choirs in the Jerusalem temple, while others were prayed by families at home. And over the centuries, the most important and widely read poems were compiled together to be read or sung on special occasions. And I'm familiar with books of poetry, a large collection of the greatest poems in one place, and I can read through and pick my favorites. But the Book of Psalms isn't that kind of collection. Here, each poem has been expertly crafted and then placed where it is for a reason, to create a storyline from the book's beginning to its end. The Psalms poetically retell the entire biblical story, and they invite you into a literary temple. A literary temple? Yeah, so the tabernacle and then later the temple in Jerusalem were where ancient Israelites went to meet with God. When you arrived, you would see art and imagery everywhere. You'd see priests performing rituals. You'd hear songs and prayers, all of it symbolically proclaiming that your God rules the world from this mountain and you're in his living room. So the temple was a place to be in God's presence and also to immerse yourself in the story of God's kingdom. Exactly. And so try to imagine how traumatic it was when the Babylonians invaded Jerusalem, plundered and burned the temple, and then took many Israelites into exile. Yeah, where can they go now to meet with God, to sing their story and say their prayers? That's where the book of Psalms comes in. It's a prayer book for exiles designed as a virtual temple. You enter the Psalms to meet with God and to hear the entire biblical story of God's kingdom sung back to you in poetry. Cool, but how does the Psalms do it? Let's start with the book's design. There are 150 poems broken up into five clear sections. At the beginning, there's been placed a short introduction, Psalms 1 and 2, which lay out the main themes of the whole book by reviewing the biblical storyline. Okay. 
Psalm 1 looks back to the Garden of Eden and its river of life. Yeah, God placed humanity in a garden temple. And here, humans decide to define good and evil on their own terms and so are exiled from the garden. But the first Psalm paints a portrait of hope about an upright human who delights in God's wisdom, which is called Torah or instruction. This person is like the tree of life in the garden temple. They eternally blossom because they're planted in the river of God's life. Yeah, that's beautiful, but who's it supposed to be? Well, remember that story in Genesis? After humanity's foolish rebellion, God made a promise. Oh right, a future human, the seed of the woman who would come and defeat evil and restore the world. And that's what Psalm 2 is about. God's promise that a king would come from the line of David. He's called the Son of God and the Messiah. God appoints him to bring justice on human evil and to restore God's kingdom and peace over the nations. So Psalms 1 and 2 introduce all these main themes. Yes, and then the book develops those themes through the five sections. The first two explore the complicated story of David and his royal family. The third section focuses on the tragedy of Israel's exile and the downfall of David's royal line. But then the fourth and fifth sections rekindle the hope for the Messiah, a new temple, and God's kingdom on the other side of the exile. Then the book ends with a five-part conclusion, praising God for his faithfulness. Cool. Now, nearly half of the Psalms are connected to one guy, King David, who God chose to rule Israel. Yes, David's story is really important in this book. He experienced many times of hardship, but he trusted God with radical faith. And in these poems, David shares his fears, confesses his failures, and offers thanks to his Redeemer. And he's constantly speaking of a deep longing to be in God's presence in the temple. But wait, David lived before the temple was even built. Exactly. This portrait of David, hoping and praying for God's kingdom and a future temple, it resembles the hopes of the later generations of the exiles. And so, David's prayers could become theirs as well. David's like a prayer coach, giving us words for how to pray and how to discover God's presence in good times and bad. Exactly. There are 73 poems connected to David, but most of the rest come from later generations of biblical poets. And they have learned to pray and hope like David. And so the end result is the Book of Psalms, designed as a virtual temple for all generations of God's people. This isn't a kind of book you just read once and put down. No, it's designed for a lifetime of slow rereading and reflection. These prayers and laments and songs of praise are meant to become our own. They're poems for exiles who are learning to live by God's wisdom and to seek God's justice in the world as they hope for the coming Messiah and the kingdom of God. Yeah, I, I, hope, I hope that was helpful for you and you can go and have another listen to that. They go in a little deeper in some other series if you want to get right into it. But I just thought it was a very, very helpful instructional video that I could talk about, but they give image to and then they say it's so much better. So um, I really love though how they talked about the Psalms are purposeful in how they're structured and then how they're there to help an exiled people remember. And that's what they, they had, um, had been set up for. They were designed to help people remember where they come from, who they are, what God has done, what God will do, um, and how to praise him and call on his name and his goodness. Um, and so the last couple of weeks, Kirk's been taking us through uh, the Psalm 23, and then we um, and he's focused on in the end six key points. And I went back and had a look at them, and 
Stephen, if we could move on to the next slide. Um, taking us through these, these six points he's taken us through in week one from, you know, provision to let's see, the sense of now it has been provided, let's celebrate the goodness of God and his provision, the, the restoration that we received into renewal and then guidance into a sense of presence and dwelling with the Lord. And I thought as we spend today remembering the goodness of God, got a little practical activity, short one, really fast. I want you to turn to one or two people right now. We're going to leave that up on the board. One or two people. And the idea is I want you to just talk about, pick one of those things that is up there and remember a circumstance in your life where the goodness of God has come into your life. Now, remember, this is not just about the good things. This is also about where you have been in exile yourself in a circumstance and are crying out to God for his kingdom to break in, the not yet of the kingdom. There's both and involved in and through the Psalms. But God's goodness is still being evident and being there for you in the midst of that circumstance. And so just turn to one or two people now. And I want practically, this is a good thing. Revelation talks about the, the testimony of Jesus as a spirit. I'm going to get it wrong, so I'm not going to say it because I'm going to misquote it. But bottom line is, is that um, when we speak, when we re reflect and we speak the truth, the Spirit of God begins to move upon us and each other and move through the room. So really quickly, I'm going to give you in like one minute's time, I'm going to give you a switch. I'm going to say switch and that's going to be your guardrails for not talking for too long so so one one to two people i want you to have a look up there and have a look at and reflect and remember the goodness of god to you in and through your life circumstances based on one of those things ready set go and for those online you can do it with each other or spend it your time yourself all right Look, I just want to call out today that in this topic of remembering the goodness of God, there's a lot that goes into the, the, con the concept of remembering and why and things. And we're scratching the surface today. We really are. And in one sense, going to be quite practical like we just were, but also on the back end, want to be very practical about remembering the goodness. And so this isn't a deep theological um, tickle your ears kind of um, wisdom uh, message. Well, hopefully there's life wisdom, but, but word wisdom. But more that we would actually get into the practice of remembering the goodness of God. Israel, and this is where we can only scratch the surface, in the history of Israel, if we have a look at what they did, they were so very, very purposeful about remembering what God had done and what his promises were that he was going to do. The Psalms, again, are, are, are a pointing case of that. The rituals, the, the meals, the, the festivals that went on, their entire society was shaped around the, um, the Lord's presence, as we just heard from, from the Psalms. But they also put in place in, their, in, in the way, daily ways that they lived and worked and, and, and operated together, they remembered who God was and who they were as a people as a result of his calling on their life. It is actually a vitally important practice of the disciple of Jesus to remember because of what it then does for us when we do remember, and we'll get into that in just a moment. 
But if we liken it maybe to a modern day thing that we've talked about a bit, if we think about the life of a disciple as that of an apprentice, an apprentice, they have to, they have to constantly remember what they were taught or what they did so that when they're on in a situation that, that they go back into for work, they're either on their own or that they're doing working with their boss on, that they want to show that they're growing, that they actually understand. They have to remember and recall all of the things that they were taught. The circumstances that they go into might be a little bit different in terms of what they've got to do, but what needs to happen, but the skills of in and of themselves are, are very constant because of what they've been taught and they reflect and they remember and they bring back to the fore that, that which they have um, been through before so why is it important that we remember if that's the case for thanks Stephen three this again is scratching the surface these are just three things to get you into the mode and then to take away and actually continue to develop into your life so we sung it in the why is it so important to remember we sung it in worship before and, and it, the Holy Spirit just hit me. I don't know if he dropped in the rest of the room at that point. We sung in worship that your voice would be louder than all the others. And it was, it was I, I felt the Holy Spirit drop when we said that. Why do we remember? Because there's so many voices in our world that want to get our attention. And Kirk's talked about some of those things in the past two messages. But we want the Lord's voice to be louder than any others. Particularly if we're in the lament side of the Psalms. We've, we've got to hold on to the fact that God's goodness has been evident in our life. And that if, if we don't necessarily or can't remember where he was faithful in a certain area, what, for whatever reason that's not coming up, we can lean into his promises, we can, that his promises are there for us of, of his goodness, that our circumstances aren't, aren't the guiding and the truth of what might be happening, but the truth of, the, of God being good and faithful, that's where we lean into and we remember through his word, through our own experience, wherever that happens, we lean in and we remember that his voice would be louder than any other, than any other. But... Three other things up there that um, I wanted to talk to. Remembering keeps Jesus at the centre. Again, nothing as shattering. I've preached on it before. But I did ask Kobe, my youngest son yesterday, sitting over there with his mum. No, he's not, with his brother. <laughs> They're all moving around. Um, what, when you remember things about uh, life, what do you remember? And we went through that. And then I started to make my coffee and there was this pause. And then he said, Dad... You need to tell people about the tiling thing that you told, talked about at youth. And I've used this analogy before. And, and it, we, I did it with the youth where we played this little game where um, they had to try and get the most tiles on this piece of paper. But the analogy is for a tiler. When, when I did some, I, didn't, I wasn't a tiler, I did a tiling job. And laying them down on the floor, a tiler figures out where the centre of the room is before they lay the first tile. Because once the first tile goes down, everything else follows. So if it's going to look straight, look off, all those kind of things is determined by that very first tile that goes down. And so the practice of remembering the goodness of God in our life helps us in the end come back to that very first tile we laid where Jesus is the centre 
of our life. And we remember that. We hold on to that. And we allow all the other tiles that are laid in our life be determined by that, that he is the centre. And we can continue to lay tiles with the confidence that we know the centre one, the first one was right because Jesus is the one that's at the centre. The second thing, it reminds us who we are and what we are called to do. Identity, identity, identity. I will preach on this until my dying breath. There is no better thing in this world than remembering who you are because of who the Father said you are. There is nothing nothing more important than knowing that because everything else will flow from that. That's the confidence I have. That's my experience. That's his promise in the word. So there we go. I'm remembering. Identity, identity, identity. Kirk said last week, and he shared really quickly when he asked the leaders, where's the Holy Spirit moving? And he talked about how six young people have given their lives through public confession, either giving their life over to the Lord or being baptised. By being baptised, they've given their identity is becoming surer. It is sure and it's becoming surer and surer. The Holy Spirit is moving on young people to firm up their identity. But what about for us? Is he moving on us right now to again shore us up, to remind us of who we are in him and what he's called us to do? We remember also because we want to remember who we are on this earth. Because our identity is firmed, we remember and we tell kingdom stories, not to live in the past, but to remind us that we have authority in this world. That when we come across people that are not well, whether we haven't prayed for a little while, we can remember, we can recall the stories, we can recall the faithfulness and the goodness of God. I remember when I prayed for that person, they got healed. So I'm leaning back in right now to this circumstance. I might not feel it. I'm feeling nervous about myself, but move myself out of the way because my my testimony is or or I know the promises, so I step into who I'm called to be, I remember I am a child of God and I have been given his authority on this earth to be, bring his kingdom. We remember the stories. There's this great movie out, and I've forgotten what it's called, about Chuck and, um, and uh, Lonnie Frisbee, no, Lonnie, Jesus Revolution. Went and saw it, and, and oh man, like. Watching that movie, just the, it wasn't, I didn't have a sense as I watched that movie, oh God, um, do it again. In the, the, there's nothing wrong with that, but I didn't have that. What I had in it stirring in me was these reminders. I remembered my story and these great times of, of God moving in my life, much like what was happening in and through Lonnie Frisbee and all those young people in the, in the Jesus. Um, movement back in the 60s and 70s and, and, and 80s and, and, and just re- remembering, seeing that, remember the history and the goodness of God released to them reminded me of all the things he'd done in my life again and it stirred me that that's right, that's who I am and that's what I'm called to do as well on this earth. One person at a time, one situation at a time, one step at a time, whatever it is, my identity is firmed and I know who I am and I, I remember and I move forward, I take the next step in whatever he's asking me to do. And the third thing, I just said it, calls us forward based on who he is. 
And again, I just want to remind you, we move forward both in, in, in remembering the goodness of God to us in lament and in praise. In both circumstances, whether life's going well or we're, we're struggling to remember, it helps us and take the next step because we are trusting in God's goodness in faith based on what we have seen him do previously. We're remembering his promises through his word and leaning in where we see no breakthrough. The next step in praise, because we've seen breakthrough, it's actually come. So we remember his goodness by celebrating the circumstance of where he did breakthrough and the list goes on. So here's my question to us today. We can go to the next slide. Uh, no, maybe I've gone. No, don't go to that slide yet. Go back. Sorry. How do you remember God's goodness in lament and praise in your own life? How do you do that? Do you have practices in place where you actually um, consciously remember God's goodness? Or maybe sometimes subconsciously you're also doing things that help you to remember. I look at my own son, um, Nathan, at the moment, and music. I know music for him is one way he remembers. I hear him play the piano now. He's on drums today. Yes, he's a bit of a... Show off when it comes to music. Um, two instruments, not one. Uh, he plays the piano and um, there's a song. What's that song? I can only imagine, yes. He, he plays that song, I can only imagine. And when I hear him play it now as a, a younger person learning an instrument, it's not just hitting the notes. You can hear it in the way he's playing, this feeling behind the music as he plays it. He's remembering He's remembering God's goodness to him and his faithfulness as he hits each key. And, and, and it, it's beautiful to hear. It's not just notes being played. There's a connection between him and the Lord. And that's one way he remembers. Some people in here, art. Maybe you love art. Maybe, maybe you love to draw. When, you, when something's happened with the Lord, you take a moment and you draw, you paint, whatever that might be. I, I want to encourage you to keep doing that. Keep those moments um, make them special, where you do remember the Lord's goodness to you, draw. I would, and if you've got them, man, I'd love to see them. I would really love to see some of those things. It would be wonderful. Journaling, classic ones. I'm, I'm just not. I'm, I, I'm not a journaler. I'll, I'll be open to admit that. But for those of you who are, keep journaling, that you would remember the goodness of God, that you could go back and you could reflect in your life around times where he moves so powerfully. For me, pictures and photos, I, I love them. I absolutely love them. I have heaps of them in the house where there have been significant moments in my walk with the Lord and I have some sort of picture to represent it. I have one where, um, and I'm really sorry, I meant to have props today, but I ran out of the house running late, so I don't have the props here with me. But I have one, it's a picture, it's a piece of old oak that I got in America at a place we were, at a ranch Belinda and I were working at and um, put a frame on that and, um, and put six pictures that all represent different times of my walk with the Lord while we were overseas living in the United States. They are things that are foundational and shape me in who I am in the Lord and they help me remember. And they are not all good things in those pictures in terms of what I went through. They were hard, some of those things. I've got a picture of this real dry, deserty area and it reminds me of the faithfulness of God to me when I couldn't feel his presence and I didn't know where he was. But he was there 
He was, with, he was with me even though I couldn't feel it. And I lent into his promises through his word and through prayers of others that I would come out the other side with all these other things that were going on around that as well. There's pictures there with, with a key friend that I had where God, God brought this person into my life to just help me grow into my calling of who I am and what God was asking me to do. There's, there's other pictures that are more like uh, invitational. I've got one that I love. It's the, a picture of, and it's quite a classic one, of, of, a, of a barrel on a wave. And, and the, the photographer's in the wave and they're looking out of the wave. But the sun is, is focused on, uh, in through the barrel. You can see the sun. And it's a reminder to me of a key time where, where a preacher, it was actually David Thomas, who's, who comes, who's been here quite a bit, he said that it, it, when we're following the Lord and we're trying to see with the Holy Spirit, it's like you're a surfer out on the waves and you're watching and you're waiting. You don't, the way, you don't always know the waves are there, but you're watching and seeing where is he moving and what he's doing. And, and at the right time, when you see it, you turn and you start to paddle to catch the wave. That's our job. Turn, face, and just start, and he'll pick you up, and away we go and we follow the Lord. But we're focused on the Son of Jesus, if you haven't picked up the analogy so, so far. Um, so I, I, it's, it's a significant picture for me, and every so often my attention will be brought to it by the Lord. And I remember, oh, that's right. Okay, what have you got for me today, Holy Spirit? Where are we going? What are we doing? I remember. I remember what you did back then, and I know what you want to do now. Um, uh, physical items. No, they're not idols. I'm not talking about we worship them, but they just help me to then connect. They're a signpost that point me back to the Lord. I have a few physical items, like I talked about that piece of oak, is a significant one for me in terms of how oak grows and when it gets a disease or it's um, got an issue in its, one of its branches, it actually is quite stringy and it curls. All the grains begin to curl around the, pit, the, the thing that's affected and it strengthens itself by actually curling around the wound and it continues to grow even though there's an issue inside the branch. It continues to grow. It's quite a spectacular tree. Another analogy, it's a physical item that reminds me of what the Lord has done in and through my life to heal me, to build me, to give me strength. Even though there's wounds, he's, he's, he's freed me from those and I continue to grow testimony oh your testimony might be another one that you um continually remember speak it talk to talk about what god has done in your life that you would remember his goodness speak it out to other people even when you don't feel it at times it is not unseen before the lord as we remember who he is and what he's done in our life and so this morning i have an invitation for us all I said it was quite a practical word, and so I want to invite you um, this week to take, you, you can take a photo of this if you, if you want to, I think it'll show up on the YouTube later on. And again, this is an invitation and a practical way to help you get into the, the practice of remembering the goodness of God in your life. I, I want to invite you to read Psalm 22. It's a very significant psalm. Because it's a psalm that correlates to Jesus and um, his death on the cross and what he actually achieved. It's actually quoted by Jesus when he is on the cross. And what's so amazing about this psalm, remember we talked about how it's, it's structured 
So let me just read some um, of the last parts of Psalm 22 to you. And I want to invite you again to remember the goodness of God to you. And again, I said it starts with Jesus. And so as you reflect on Psalm 22, thinking about Jesus and who he is, then read Psalms 23 to 25. Because Psalm 22 finishes with this key little statement, he has done it. And then it leads into this other section of Psalms that actually, well, what has he done? What is it that he's actually done? Read through Psalms 23 to 25. And as you read through, I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit, because I've prayed about this, is going to actually remind you and draw things out about what he's done in your life. And so reflect and remember his goodness to you. And then as you do that, I want to encourage you practicing remembering God's goodness. And I mentioned a few before, and, there's, and I'm just throwing things up there to maybe stir your thoughts and your creativity, because this isn't just about writing or words, and there's so many ways we can remember God's goodness to us. Other ones that are up there that I didn't mention before, maybe it's a meal. Maybe it's getting together with some people on a regular occasion to say, hey, this is the anniversary of that thing, you remember? Let's, let's get together. Let's actually remember the Lord's goodness to us and have a meal together and talk about it and celebrate it, much like the Israelites did with a few of their things. Um, reflection in creation, that's one I did want to mention. Even this morning, the Lord... I went out for a walk really early. It was very cold before the sun came up. But I stepped outside and I took about three steps down the street and suddenly there must have been, I don't know, half a dozen kookaburras that just went off their nut. And I just stopped and I was like, oh, wow, creation is calling to you, Lord, as it wakes this morning. And, and the Holy Spirit just washed over me and, I, and again I was reminded of his goodness to us through, through right back to Genesis 1 when this beautiful world was created for us as a gift, a great way to remember the goodness of God. And then I walked a little further and I got around the corner and the sun broke through and pierced the darkness and suddenly our beautiful gum trees in our country lit up in these yellows and oranges in the wonder again of, of the gift of creation that the Lord has given each and every Remember, remember his goodness to you. Personal communion, dance. I, Les, I, can, I know that's your thing, Les. I can, you're going to go there, aren't you? <laughs> Sorry, Les, that's not very nice. Dance is still, it, it's a, a, an expression for some people that it's really, that's their thing and they love doing it and it's a great way to remember as they dance before the Lord. David did it, David publicly did it, dancing before the Lord, praising him, remembering his goodness and faithfulness as you do so. Look, you get where I'm going. There's so many ways, the word, practice, practical, creative, there's so many different ways we can remember God's goodness, but put it into practice. Reflect on 23 to 25. There's some really key statements that will flow as you read them. If you even read them, just let them go. Read all three in one go. Just go right through and listen to the story that exists in those three psalms that talk about, well, what is it that he has done that Psalm 22 finishes with?
What is it that he has done in your life?